Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John, and welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies, both new and old, with a strictly positive critical eye. You know what? That's absolutely right, John. And Mm. to make sure that we keep it positive, we have decided to make this here episode a drinking game. Any time we say anything negative about a film, you're going to hear this sound. There it is. That sound means (laughs) that we need to take a drink, and we hope you at home... Take a drink with us. Yeah, little fun fact. The first time we tried this, the entire system crashed when I hit that button. So pour yourselves a glass and uh, let's hit the prairie. Your beer crack Mm. on cue was was really great, though. I guess it's a shame. It's a shame that one crashed out. You didn't want to crack (laughs) a second beer here at the beginning of our episode. All right. What are we doing today? We are doing Jane Campion's The Power of the Dog, people. That's what we're talking about today. Thanks for joining us. It is available on Netflix, as it has been for a while. Definitely some award season buzz. Not that that matters, but why not mention it out loud? As always, if you're new to our podcast, we try to keep it spoiler-free for a couple of minutes, say like 10 minutes or so, so that you can get our initial takeaways, what we feel, what we what we, what we thought leaving the movie or even during the movie, as opposed to giving you some cinematic background and some horseshit review talking about how much this one's this one is on netflix so it's what we thought as we left the couch that's right (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) what we jotted down when we went to go pee halfway through um (laughs) so yeah spoiler free for 10 minutes and then we'll send you on your way if you were trying to gauge our reaction to the film before choosing to see it yourself but before we dive in we have to send it over to our buddy john to shout out our people john good luck (laughs) oh man we have a beer sponsor, and his name is Carlos Barozzo. If you want to give him a follow, head on over to Instagram at cbarozzo.beer. That's C-B-A-R-O-Z-O dot B-E-E-R. And as always, the music you hear on this episode and every single episode is provided by the artist Dasein. That's Dasein, D-A-S-E-I-N. God, I I'm love that. Here, you guys. I, I, that, <laughs> that is hands down the slowest you've ever done that. Yeah. I, I think since we started the show, folks, I am recovering from COVID. How long did it take for the entire hosting team of the Love of Cinema to possibly get super, super sick within a couple of weeks of each other? We don't even yeah, live yeah. in the Who same city. Who knew you city. could get it through Zoom? Yeah, we're a coast <laughs> apart, and this thing could—we oh, could not evade it. But anyway, I'm here. I'm ready to talk about Jane fucking Campion. Just, just before we do, did anyone see the article in the New York magazine today uh, with uh, just a quick sidetrack, Joss Whedon no. talking about the uh, the accusations against him? He's finally come out and said something about it. Okay, a couple and years later. In tr- yeah, in true, <laughs> like, well, this is still ongoing. Like, Ray Fisher's still <laughs> saying things. Like, everyone's coming out saying he was a terror on set and stuff. So he thought he'd do this article finally and say his piece. And basically, uh, he <laughs> insulted Gal Gadot, saying English not is not her first language. She must have misunderstood. And said that Ray Fisher was cut from the movie just because he's a terrible fucking actor. Wait, hold on. <laughs> so he's basically, his response is to come out and be the asshole that everybody said he was in the first Wait, place. That's ap- going to fix it. His apology is to be <laughs> arguably worse? Yes. Well, <laughs> no, apparently he's still Not worse worth. on set. But oh, yeah, like, yeah. Jeez. Wow. So, yeah, points points for thinking. Uh, Joss, th- that one's for you. Yeah. Oh, if you're playing man. the drinking game, you have to drink with Joss, too. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. Thank you, Dave, for, for shouting that out. 
Uh, any other any other news we want to get to before the power of the dog no, conversation? Let's, let's let's get straight into this now. All right, people. This is Jane Campion's The Power of the Dog, a movie about how Kirsten Dunst loves soft gloves. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I was I was like, yeah, I'm getting sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> this is The Power of the Dog. An American pre-prohibition <laughs> Western melodrama oh. scored by Johnny Greenwood, starring a British man about a business owner with brother <laughs> issues and the adoption of a fatherless boy. Yes, this movie sure is one of a kind. <laughs> I know, I know, dude. I know. Honestly, yeah, this, is, a drink, this is but we this have is to getting call like, it out, right? This is getting like buzz like of not and not the buzz we have here it's getting buzz of like the film of the year people are calling it the best film of the year and all that sort of thing so obviously there's you know some people are enjoying it so i'm people... curious to hear what you guys thought wait hold on <laughs> hold on a second here we are we shoot from the hip here we try to keep it positive and dave just said some people are saying good things about this movie <laughs> this is the movie we're talking about today this is from the academy award winning me. screenwriter and director of the piano dave Yes. That's hilarious. Okay, yes, we'll get is. back to you. Anyway, so yeah, there'll be blood reference, of course, but this is based on the 1967 novel of the same name by Thomas Savage. Savage was a gay man, though not openly at the time. Uh, parts of the plots and characters were sort of based on his uh, teenage years growing up on a ranch in Montana. Hopefully it's not all based on his life. Hopefully some is. And I want to say one thing really quick about this before we talk about the movie too much. This is on a lot of lists, so I was listening to a podcast where they put this really high on a list. There were a bunch of people talking. I respect these people very much. And they said something that if you're here for the spoilers, I'll, I'll get into that doesn't seem spoilery, but it really, it really affected the way that I watched the movie. Oh no. So, uh, and, and I'll tell you guys, I'll tell you what the word was like literally one, like a couple words. They're like, Oh, it has this and that. And then that, and I literally watched the whole movie like with completely different eyes because they said that. So when we get into our initial feel of the movie, In a just good know way? people, um, I don't know. We can talk about it, but okay. This is this is a melodrama to me, and that's not the spoiler. The, the, what I mean by that is, don't expect there to be a lot of plot up front. That's what I'll say about that. It's very dramatic. Not a lot of characters. They all talk about the same things. It's like opera, you know. The best arias ever are like four sentences that they drag out over three minutes. Like in some ways, that's what this movie is shot beautifully. <laughs> I. But when we get into the plot, when we get into the story, maybe. Maybe my request to you guys is to save it as much for the spoilers as possible because it changed <laughs> yeah. the way I watched it. But um, that's my preamble. Any questions about that before we go on or anything you want to say about that? Nope, we're good. No, no, I'm very, no, I'm, I'm intrigued. I can't wait to get to that yeah. section. Okay, cool. Hopefully everybody else listening is too. Stick around for us, folks. Okay, cool. And tell your friends. Like and subscribe us. Dave set up a link tree so you can find us on all the socials. They're in our episode notes it's right easy. now. It's so easy. Yeah. Okay. So Jane Campion, Thomas Savage novel. The Brit that I mentioned, of course, is Benedict Cumberbatch, who definitely practiced his walk. He definitely practiced the way <laughs> his cowboy walk. <laughs> Come on. You know he did. Okay. Benedict he, Cumberbatch. No, he's just never ridden a horse before, and that's what it does to you after the <laughs> <laughs> He rode it. He's like, whoa, his legs all of a sudden are a couple feet wider when he. <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry. I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing John, but it's really for me. Okay. <laughs> So funny. Okay, cool. So Jeff has coordination issues. Benedict Cumberbatch and Jesse Plemons play Phil and Jaji Boy Burbank, respectively. And um, they are ranch owners. 
in Montana. And I, I saw the date 1925. So in and around 1925, Montana, mm-hmm. pre-prohibition. And they Dude, meet. how much does Montana look like New Zealand? Actually, interesting. Oh, interesting yeah. thought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> more, more weedy, more like light browns uh, in the colors. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. The, a lot of terrain. Yeah. A lot of terrain in Montana. It's not just a this great place. This was right? actually shot in New Zealand. You dick it. And you get one for not researching. Yeah. Jane Damn Campion, it. Dude. She's a New Zealander, isn't she? She's from New Zealand, yeah. I really wanted to it's, say by an American you, filmmaker. You, if you're not filming in New Zealand, that's like if you're filming in New Zealand, that's the only way you get Thomas and Mackenzie to turn up and be a maid. Okay, we'll talk about Honestly, that in how a second. The fuck did they do that? Yeah. I, I know we have to we usually get into the movie a little bit more here, but you know, there's some people that are like, the Coen brothers sent me a script, so I just said yes. Why would I even read the script? Thomas and Mackenzie's agent, read the script. She's a star now. She's the lead in one of the best movies of the year. And here she is. They're like, first two scenes. She's like the third. She doesn't even speak. I was very surprised by that. But kudos to her. Being everything while you're young. Isn't it good to be young? Okay. <clears throat> I don't know. Okay, so <laughs> okay. Um, so Benedict Cumberbatch, Jesse Plemons, play brothers, um, Kirsten Dunst, and her son, she plays Rose Gordon, and her son in the film is played by Cody Spit McPhee. Um, I don't think it's much of a spoiler to say that he is getting a lot of Oscar buzz. He won the Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actor in a Movie for playing Peter Gordon, who is a young teenager. Um, I, I mentioned about Tom Savage. So yes, he is questioning his sexual identity and he might also have a little bit of a speech impediment. So he has got a lot to work with. And then I think they mentioned somebody named Bronco Henry, maybe like 600 times in this movie. But other than that, none of the other characters have names. So no need to get into any of them except <laughs> yeah. for Thomas and Mackenzie and shout out to the housemaid as well. The housekeeper shout out to her and the brief storyline is this is on imdb <clears throat> Charis- the storyline's brief the movie's two and a half hours that's right is it two and a half it's two oh, it's only two two oh six dave you're not supposed to tell people how you think about the movie so obviously <laughs> it's two hours and six minutes charismatic rancher phil burbank inspires fear and awe in those around him sorry <laughs> charismatic who is you know i i don't know who writes these imdb briefs here but um (laughs) inspires fear and awe in those around him it's like come on is it did his mother did his mother write this actually no because she's in the movie um maybe a biographer i don't know charismatic rancher phil burbank inspires fear and awe in those around him when his brother jodgy boy brings home a new wife and her son phil torments them until he finds himself exposed to the possibility of love. I'm going to leave it at that. Guys, I guess Dave wants John to go first. So, John, what do you oh, think of the film? You're going to throw it to me? I'm like, oh, I'm like floating over here. I watched we're, this we're coming, to Dave feverish... <laughs> we're coming to Dave last. We're coming to Dave last. Let me preface this by saying I watched this in a feverish stupor while I was sick. And, uh, that may didn't. have added to my experience, to, to be honest. No, I don't, I don't even mean that as a negative thing. Um, <laughs> no, no, that was for me. Yeah, okay, <laughs> that, was, okay. that was definitely for Dave. Um, this one, uh, Jane Campion, I would call her not an avant-garde filmmaker, but she loves to play with like poetic and experimental you know, stuff. So this definitely is not a story-driven film I, I was not expecting that. And yet she still kind of, you know, took me for, 
took me for quite a loop in trying to figure out like what what point of view we were supposed to be seeing this film from. Everybody is talking about Benedict Cumberbatch when they talk about this movie, and I think that's a mistake. I it's do too. I do too. He, it's not that he's not. Um, I almost wonder if she set up her PR team to do this on purpose. I was reading articles about Benedict Cumberbatch in this movie last year, like the way they were prepping everyone to be so anticipatory about his. Let's call it what it is: Daniel Plainview like performance of this, you know, curmudgeon Western same time period Montana rancher guy. It's not oil, but he's still in the West. He's still angry. He's mean. He puts everyone at a distance. He you know, you're never quite sure what his sexuality, what the exploration of it has been. We can talk about that more. I'm not saying Daniel Plainview was a homosexual or non-binary, anything like that. I think she plays much more with Benedict Cumberbatch's character with that. I started enjoying this movie a lot when I finally let go of that perspective. When I started watching it through Peter's perspective, that's what this movie I think is about. And is, there were a couple moments that I don't want to get into yet that as soon as I got a grip because of these two moments, this movie became really interesting to me. This is not a movie for everyone. This is a very challenging film. I have a it friend is. who, uh, I'll say this is such a good way of putting it. This is an intellectual friend I have. He's a very intelligent man. We love talking about novels, literature, art, movies. He texted me after he saw this like a month ago or whenever it dropped on Netflix. And he said... Don't you hate that feeling when you watch something that you know is brilliant, but you can't fucking stand it? <laughs> I thought that about Annette. Oops. Sorry. Yeah. So, and I think he, I think uh, there's a lot. My brother and I used to joke about like, you know, Radiohead or somebody would drop a new album. We, we used to joke like, God, the more we hated it initially, the more we were going to love it eventually. Yeah. And I don't know if this movie has that kind of traction, but it has stayed with me in a lot of really disturbing, hypnotic ways. Um, I, uh, I, I, I'm curious to hear what you guys think. And I'm curious to hear what other people think. Cause I was, uh, I think I was expecting something a little bit different with the way it wrapped up, but I don't want to talk about it yet. We'll get to it in a minute. Dave. Mm, good. Well, no, Dave's going yeah, last. I just, just, just want to quickly touch on what you said about the, um, the marketing people. When you consider when this movie dropped, it's dropped <laughs> just after Spider-Man came out, which has Benedict mm. Cumberbatch in it. And it's like we've got Doctor Strange and Multiverse Manor. So he's hot property right now. He's getting a lot of Google searches. And, of course, what else is popping up when you search for Benedict Cumberbatch? Doctor. So that might, that might be why yeah. they put him front forward because they knew he was gonna, it was going to draw people in. And once you – like getting him in is half the battle. It could be an award thing too because I was like, okay, so you're going last here, Dave. So I'll go – I'll try to be quick um, because I want to get into the plot stuff and I want to wait to the spoiler stuff. So – I started this movie and then I realized that it just wasn't the, you, you should be in the right mindset, I guess. And I will say Johnny Greenwood's score, like he is so brilliant. We all know that, but the score really is incredible. And and I think he understood, I, I, I started the movie, then I heard the little spoiler thing. And so rewatching it. So I, I had already thought what you just thought about Benedict. So I wasn't watching the second viewing from benedict's point of view because there's other characters in the movie anyway so it's not going to be exactly like daniel plainview so sometimes they were shooting him really close and they were like the most the most um daniel plainview thing they did was when he like rubbed mud on himself and went into that ravine that was like the most that he was for me all the other times he was either playing at it or it, it wasn't or, or he was just his own self which of course is okay but it was very Benedict and Johnny Greenwood knew they were in a proper melodrama where there's just not a lot going on, but it's always very full and it's always dramatized to the fullest. 
and there's no need for any small anything. <laughs> Nothing, anything small that seems small is actually really powerful and moving and whatever. It's very beautifully shot. Um, I did, I did really like this. I will say I really liked the movie. Um, and it has stayed with me, but it is challenging. And it's not like I just left the movie like, yeah, what a good movie. It was like, fuck, man, <laughs> like that mm -hmm. did weigh on me. So sorry to be vague, but I think that's <clears throat> where I'm going to leave it for now. Although I will, the last thing I'll say is the first time I watched it before stopping it, I actually was like, good for Jesse Plebins, because it was like this weird, like kind of Charles Bronson-esque at first, where it's like, you never really know what they're thinking, which especially in Westerns, when you have so much camera time and there's not that much to talk about <laughs> they didn't have a lot of words you know like it's it's hard to do nothing and just trust it just trust your intention and stuff and i, I thought jesse clemens did a good job he of course vanishes from the movie for a period of time so they're uh, up steps benedict and cody smith mcphee but um I, th I thought the cast was great so that's the last thing i'll say for this and we'll come back to that dave what was wrong with this movie <laughs> um no 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 um i for, for start um i get nervous every time i see act numbers and it's it's through no fault of anyone <laughs> Just, except except when uh yeah, remember the slipper room here in New York used to do uh, movie screenings, yeah, yeah. like Movie Monday, and we I went to one of those one night, and there was a guy who had submitted his experimental film, and it had act numbers, and this is this is exactly what did it to me because it started with Act One, and it was just a whole heap of composited footage, and okay, cool, and that went for about ten minutes, and then it went to Act Two, and it was more composited footage with a voiceover, and then it went to Act Three, and everyone started looking around. It's like, how long is this gonna? It went for forty six fucking minutes, and including a ten minute <laughs> sketch where a guy's pulling stuff out of a bag, and the woman's telling him that's not what I want. That's a tomato or that's a, a but no, it was, yeah, she wanted a tomato and he had everything but a tomato in the bag. There was, it, none of it made any sense and it went to Axe fucking six. So like we sat there through this. Thing. I'm buzzing because I have no <laughs> idea. What, I have no idea what you're talking what is, what is happening right now, Dave? What the fuck are we talking about? No, no, no. So that's why no, I'm nervous I mean, about Act Numbers. Okay. So straight away I saw the Act I Number and got PTSD. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm also not really a fan of the, like the quick jump narrative sections where like this happened then this happened then this and it jumps forward in time it it kind of i guess the intention was there to throw you off a little bit yeah um but for me i like it took 45 minutes to set the scene in this movie and that just came across as a tad self-indulgent but i will say once they set that scene that last hour and 20 minutes is <laughs> fucking phenomenal <laughs> where would you say that moment was for you like when they the 45 where do you where would you say that was um it was around about because I, I wasn't really buying Cumberbatch as a dick he yeah. was just kind of you know a bit socially awkward yeah it was weird until, right? it was weird until the piano banjo scene yeah that was cool where oh, she's that, trying to play was, the piano yeah. and then he just plays <laughs> the song probably, she's trying to play yeah, and he's, like, my favorite he's sequence, a total yeah. fucking dick about it they don't say a word that was good yeah. in the yeah. in the scene, and I was like, okay, they got me, they yeah. got me. He's he's a, he's a bit of a dick now, and it just it went on from there. So like they set that up perfectly, so that you know later on you're like, what's he up to? Yeah, and it, I felt like it kicked in after that, but it it like the first forty five minutes was just really slow for me, and I feel like a lot of people might turn it off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So stick with it, stick with it because the the way that you need to see the you need to see the end of this and like the the last hour and forty minutes, around twenty minutes. Yeah, yeah I gotta say, um, I'm gonna mean this, I mean this positively because like if Jane Campion was my friend, I would I would love to ask her like if she didn't have the clout of 
Jane Campion, uh, you know, award-winning, amazing auteur director. It almost seems like it's interesting you chose the landscape of a Western, like Jeff kind of, we poked fun at it earlier, but a Western set at that period to explore homosexuality, to explore obsessions with power, without it seeming a little derivative. There are, there are some films that are iconic films. There Will Be Blood, Brokeback Mountain. Um, there was something else you, you mentioned earlier that made me think of another one that kind of made me think, I wonder why she chose this particular um, genre to try to tell this story in when the themes could have probably existed in any other period. And she loves period pieces. Um, so I don't know, I guess I, I haven't done my research, but I'm so curious why she chose a Western to do it when we have seen those themes fleshed out so, so well in such iconic, uh, moving pictures from, you know, the last 20 mm. years. Um, that I, just I, I also novel. would just challenge it, people. It could to, also be because we've seen those themes fleshed out in all yeah. those. Or maybe maybe, yeah. she, maybe what, she what maybe, hasn't been done. Maybe she hasn't seen a homosexual western, which is funny because the homosexuality part of it comes later. I know we're not in the spoiler section yet, but I promise you, people, it'll it actually probably will help you get through the film if you know that 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 there's something coming. Um, but maybe that's the one thing because it's it is based on the novel about the writer's sort of loosely based on the writer's experience. So it would be dishonest to the novel to change the genre or you know move mm. it. Adam Montana. So should we uh, should we send everyone in a way and get into spoilers? Yeah, we we, we like yeah. the movie. It's a little challenging, and uh, it's beautiful. It, it really is. Stick, it's it, the, yeah. The first forty minutes is going to be hard. Stick with it. There's some touching things in the first forty minutes. There are. There's like, but I don't know. I would have liked to have seen just a little more setup on how he got her to say yes, just to make me a little more invested in that happening with that first date wasn't hot for you when he showed up and he's just reading uh, hot sauce ingredients off the back of the bottle <laughs> it was this lovely is, seeing them together this again. is jesse uh, Plemons, fargo, by the way. fargo season two yes. they're together as a couple right correct correct there that was nice seeing them on, mm, on screen again there i like them a lot yeah let's in all right go away folks and we're going to talk about spoilers watch this movie take it seriously Two weeks in a row, we're talking about experience kind of movies. So this is not <laughs> one to put on to just be entertained for sure. Yeah. Don't invite your friends over with beer and sit down and just watch this. <laughs> also, the COVID's still around. So give it another week before you invite your friends over with beer. Okay. I'm kidding. Um, okay. Spoilers. Okay. Dude, so I'll tell you. I, my yeah, first, go, go my first it, thought was things are not going to end well for that bunny. The bunny? Was that? <laughs> yeah, uh, but I did not see that coming. <laughs> I, I, did, I knew the bunny wasn't going to end well, but I did not know how it was not going to end well. I had, I had no more trace in my head with the bunny, but of course it's, um, it's um, uh, Fatal Attraction. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the bunny. I'm glad no, that you harped the bunny. No, bunnies in films. Watership so, Down, right. Fatal Attraction, this. No, bunnies in films don't, don't do well. <laughs> All right. So I know this is based on a novel uh, that I have never read. Right. So just standing alone as a screen, screenplay and as a film, like I said, for me, my, there were the two moments that made this movie that changed it for me. And looking back on it now, it, it's a much more interesting film than on the front of it. Um, when Peter recognizes the barking dog in the hills, when Cumberbatch yes. says, uh, Buffalo, Bronco Henry. Bron <laughs> Bronco Henry. Bronco Henry. 
Bronco Henry. And he's obsessed with that guy. Bronco Henry, Bronco Henry, Bronco Jesus Henry. Christ. Yeah. Um, good Lord. Held him naked in the snow. Also, <laughs> Bronco was we'll, we'll get there. We'll a lot, get there. We'll a get lot there. older than him, too. Bronco was 50 when he died, and Benedict's not. Well, he was yet. his age. Same age difference. Anyway, so mm-hmm. when they have this scene, Benedict Cumberbatch and uh, Peter, and Benedict Cumberbatch is saying, Bronco Henry told me how to see things differently. Like, when you look at those hills, what do you see? And Peter says, a barking dog. And Cumberbatch is like, you just see that? You see it like that? And so already you know that there is some kind of status that is being played with, some kind of perspective, gift, whatever it is that Cumberbatch. Could you see the dog? I, um, I couldn't fucking see it. Uh, I, I not, paused that thing. No. I'm trying to. I'm trying Dave, to figure you don't know it out. How to see like, it. You don't know how this? to look. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. And I don't think it matters. And then yeah. to tie to tie the bow. Maybe 20 minutes later, when they're together in another scene, um, when Cumberbatch is kind of taken to young Peter, they are alone together on a trail, and Peter is telling him about how his father, who has committed suicide, used to say when he was a young boy about Peter that Peter was too strong. And knowing what happens for the rest of the movie, that Peter eventually seeks revenge and kills P- P- Benedict. You always get to the, Maybe. Spo- the real spoilers so quick in the spoiler section. Sure, sure. <laughs> this is a revenge tale. Kills Benedict. Maybe killed his father and killed an animal. Oh, when I, I look back on this film, father, yeah. when I look back on this film as the birth, the coming of age of a serial killer, it's a much mm. more interesting movie to oh, me. Oh, yeah. The, and the this thing is about is that, a killer. Like, you don't he find that out surgeon. until the last five seconds of the movie, and then all of a sudden you're like, holy fuck, he's, he's a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. This is just a really long criminal minds or, episode. Or maybe he will be a surgeon, and he just like doesn't mind if the person dies because he, you know, and it was, at that time with, nah, med- the, with, I mean, that time with the, medicine, I don't know, I, I'm rooting the, for him. The so. stuff he's got going on, he's probably going to be a dentist, to be honest. <laughs> well, it doesn't matter. He's, it doesn't he's going to be the dentist does. from Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, I got you. I think he could be... Yeah, I think he could be whatever profession he, he wants to be. He's just also going to be someone who yeah. we know by the time he's gotten to that profession, he's killed animals for yeah. fun, and he has killed multiple human beings, possibly can, multiple human beings. He can be whatever profession he wants. He's just going to be that profession in jail. So I mean, again, you can, you can what, what do you things? guys think about that? The way I thought it was, I still am, what I think her biggest achievement is that if she did this consciously with the way she set up the PR and stuff, genius. The way yeah. I f- it, like you had to eventually discover that this movie is about him and his mm. violent, violent ways. And it had yeah. nothing to do with the way the movie was pitched to you. I thought that was really it's surprising. Like, he's, and a, refreshing. he's a perfect. Yeah. He's a perfectly innocuous Western with a fucking firecracker hidden in it. Let me, yeah. so let me tell you what the spoiler was. And it's so simple. It's so simple. So I had started the movie, as I said, so I watched two and a half chapters. So like 35 minutes into the movie. <laughs> and, um, I'm listening to to this podcast that I like and I respect them all. And they go, and there's a twist in this movie. It's not quite an M. Night Shyamalan, like pull the rug out from under you twist, but it, it definitely was a huge twist that makes you want to see the movie again, knowing that the twist happens. And they said it like that. And I was just like, well, fuck. Now I'm going to be watching this movie just being like, well, what's the twist? Because that's like the mm. only thing that they talked about. And the movie opens with Peter's line about his mom and dad and he's like i'm never gonna let that happen again like the father of clearly clearly his father abused his mom kirsten dunst and peter says i'm never gonna let that happen again and so did i know that the twist was gonna be he turns into a killer no but i certainly was like well she wouldn't open with this arbitrary line for a character that we're gonna see five minutes of in the first hour of the movie unless 
<laughs> Unless mm. it was huge. So it and really wait, wait, changed the whole Jeff, way that it when was. When does he say that? When does he say that line? It's a voiceover at the opening of the film. We haven't even seen a frame oh of, of Montana God. yet. That's the voiceover yeah, I didn't at the even time. Realize that. If you if you if you're paying exactly. attention and you go back, the signs are there. That's how it opens the movie. And and then and then as soon as he finishes that, like, I'm never gonna let that happen again. It's like chapter one, whatever. And then it opens on the ranch and Benedict Cumberbatch, and then they're doing their first like steer fucking grazing or whatever i don't know i don't know anything about ranching um yeah that's how the movie opened so i was like it's again i didn't know that that's i I couldn't foresee the plot i'm not going to pretend like i have foresight but it changed the way i watched the movie so anytime i saw benedict and there were a lot of things like even the way he looked at the mountains and and this is not an actor thing this is a director thing and i want to be clear to people because sometimes there are people are like i don't like the way he looked at the mountains you know that the the medium close-up on benedict looking at the mountains was he sat there for like four minutes stood there and just like gave a bunch of looks and then the editor and the director get to decide which one's in the movie you know what i mean but he looked at the mountains like there was something horrible out there it looked like the village so when we found out that it's just the face of a dog that he's looking at and i was like all right and even if you say all the other bronco henry stuff there was a lot of that where i was kind of like they clearly were just trying to lead us down false trails a lot in this movie psychologically of course it's not plot but what oh, I would say trying, to, they did, they succeeded yeah. and they succeeded and they, they definitely did. But what I would say to people talking about the twist, because everybody keeps talking about the twist. Stop. It's not a twist. It's just plot. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, melodrama. It's a progression. Like, it's melodrama. It's a, it, if one person it, dies in yeah. melodrama, then that's standard fare. That is not a twist. That's, that's just what it is. So all they're saying is like, Ooh, somebody dies in this movie. And I was like, well, I fucking hope so. Because otherwise, what was I watching? You know yeah, what I mean? It's, it's the, it's the old West. Like, fuck dude <laughs> one person died in this movie that's plot that's not a twist all right how many how many, how many people died of dysentery on the oregon trail yeah. come on it's it's more of a bait and switch than it is a twist to me that's what i think <laughs> game reference <laughs> trying to think of another can you guys think of another movie that kind of used a supporting character to to eventually usurp the 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 seeming protagonists it it did it did come across like that too. Like it, it was like as he gained, yeah, maturity, he gained power, and as he gained respect, he gained power, and it it, oh, yeah. it was it was a the seesaw went the other way. It did kind of remind me of um, it was awesome. Another we western um, kind of reminded me of No Country in that aspect. That mm. you know, as that movie continues, you start to, in a more charming way, I think, kind of start to fall for. Uh, Shiga, Shiga, or however you pronounce his name, Javier Bardem's characters. Yeah, um, yeah I fall for Javier all the time. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty easy. Uh, I, what did you guys think about how her balance between the moody kind of tonal shots that are, you know, prevalent throughout the film and the way that they created the cadence of time? Dave, you talked about how. Because this is basically a linear film. It just, but it does jump pretty. You know, it doesn't go back and forth. It, it, it just settles jumps down. forward. Further. Yeah, it settles down later. Like once it gets into the main event, I, I would call it like it into the main progression of what the story is actually about. But the setup is chopped. Yeah, there is a fair passage of time there that they they skip over. Yeah, because all and of a sudden I, I it's feel, summer. I feel like did... to me that was a that was a little clunky. Yeah, there was a time. But, I there mean, was it's... a moment there where I was thinking. Are these actors in these roles more interesting than the characters themselves? There was a time where I was thinking that, like, if on paper, 
if she didn't have the star power of Jesse Plemons, Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst, these faces that we knew, not Peter again, because that was perfect that, mm. he, that he was not a huge star. Um, there were times now. where I was wondering, like, <laughs> is this just, would this just read like a tonal kind of experimental film without those huge actors in there where we kept, we kind of invested meaning in them because we kept assuming surely that's going to matter. Surely that's going to matter. You know, we kept, I feel like I, I felt myself kept saying that over and over and over again. So that's still a filmmaking that's, technique. I'm, I'm still a, giving yeah, you credit again, for it. Again, that's a, that's, that's kind of relying on the star power to hold the interest of the audience a little bit. Did like you feel it, that at all? Or did you feel like it was effective if you did feel that? Or do you not, did you not resonate with that at all? Not at all for me. No. Like, like I said, the first, the first 45 minutes, I, it was a slog. Yeah. to get through I, for me. I appreciated the intensity behind their eyes that I don't know if ranchers in Montana would have actually had. So again, I, I'm going to keep using the word melodrama until it's beat to death, but it was all heightened. Everything was heightened into this. Like I, the brothers weren't going to kill each other, but they looked at each other like they were going to kill each other. So I don't know if that's the best. It's, you know, it's not hundred percent realistic. I think it's okay for us to admit this is not a realistic, Oh, what would happen? This was definitely stylized, it's, you know, I did Let's like talk the about way it was performances. Shot. Yeah, they were good. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Wait, dude. what did you say, Dave? The shooting was. I did yeah. like that they used they used the uh, Alexa Mini LF again, the thing it's that's gorgeous. designed. It's designed for landscapes, basically. I'm staring at yeah, it. Uh, it was... Benedict in the foreground, and then in the background is green plain with the brown mountains with the blue sky. Yeah. I'm staring at that image right now, and it's like shit. Yeah, that's mm. the kind I mean, of stuff was, you want to hang up. It on was beautiful. I think I loved just as much as the landscapes. The contrast in the interior, that house was incredible. The blacks, the shadows. Yeah, it, the, it, it looked like a lot of natural light with a, like a, a little bit of filler here and there. I loved how- they couldn't how, get the natural light, obviously. Yeah, I loved how gothic it, it felt on the interiors. Like they were- American, these, they felt, they felt, they felt oppressive. Yeah. yeah. It, it they felt, felt like oppressive. They were, yeah. they were ghosts of themselves, like- haunting their own yeah. lives it was really unsettling all the interior stuff was really it felt like the walls were of made course. out of paper too it felt like the walls were made out of paper <laughs> like yeah they were, they were, we already like they were in a house it. of cards or something we already talked about it but without a doubt the favorite my favorite sequence in this movie was the piano banjo yeah. duel that was me too that was hilarious you knew she was fucked if she had to play like, for the governor right that was that was pure <laughs> melodrama. Yeah. Benedict's look when he looks at her down the hall. I mean, it's just so yeah. intense. Like, I mean, the only thing only missing was him flipping of the bird at yeah. the end of that, really, to be honest. Ooh, when he saw her sucking down the, the whiskey in the alley and he whistles the tune. Ooh, that was oh, that was haunting, yeah. too. I, I, yeah. I had flashbacks to Gaslight at that point. Exactly. Nice. Yeah, dude, me too. Me too. Yeah. I, um, those sequences, though, the way, with again, me knowing that there's a quote-unquote twist watching this, Honestly, the way that it was filmed and it was so surreal, I wouldn't have been surprised if the twist was Benedict wasn't alive. He was never alive. Or it was a Shutter Island. Like, seriously, that's how weird this movie was, <laughs> knowing that there was some kind of twist. The way he seemed like he was wow. in a different yeah. movie than everybody else, but in a, in, not in a bad way, necessarily. Yeah, but it, 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 it seemed like Shutter Island, where he was like, okay, everybody's playing along with him because he's not real or they're not real. Or, I don't know. It was weird. Okay, sorry. You guys talk. It, no, you're right, dude. It was weird how, <laughs> how little... Jesse Plemons and him actually had legit conversations. Georgie boy. Very strange. And it, yeah, boy. The, Tom the Catton, whole... the lines were weird. Georgie boy doing a little bit of Tom Catton. I was like, what the fuck kind of movie is this? Yeah, they, but I liked they, it. All I did. of, I all of their that. lines too, like their, their dialogue to each other was as short as possible. Yeah. 
like four that lines was a real, two minutes. I, yeah. I felt I felt that like that. <laughs> I felt like that was great. I'm getting. I've got to hit you for that. Sorry. <laughs> um, but no, just that like they were so uncomfortable with each other. The only way they could communicate was in short, abrupt sentences, if they could communicate at all. And I, I, I that bit I liked. Like I, I liked that aspect of those two characters together. What did you think about the character information about Benedict's? That he went to Yale and studied classics and Unnecessary was like really, for me. Yeah, did it? Did that do anything for you in the nah. way you thought about him? Or nope, nope, not a it thing. It could have though. Yeah, I was like, don't plant that seed and then not try to. I don't know. I guess I wanted it to somehow turn it on its head that one of the issues he had with why he was struggling with his own masculinity and overcompensatory behavior was something to do with his, his obsession because he studied those things before he met Bronco Henry. So yeah. I thought they were going to somehow tie it into the fact that he's always been struggling with, I mean, was that just a gentle yeah. allusion to the fact that Greek gods and heroes, there's so much homosexuality flowing in and out of those stories. That- I, I don't know. Usually experiment in college. <laughs> 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 Um, All right, let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk other performances. Kirsten Dunst, yeah, she loved those soft gloves, but she was—I don't know. I, I'm always—I'm so impressed with her adult work. Like she's come so far for me as mm. a. I feel like that she took so many years off there for a while after Bring It On, and man, I feel like she's done some really mature stuff in the past ten years. This is this is some of it. I thought it was great. I wrote Kirsten Dunst is really giving a gripping, heartfelt performance that is inherently transforming her. Like she, she is in some of those scenes looks so frail and defeated and weak. And it's, it's so against like 99% of what female characters are now for all of the right reasons that we now have strong women in movies. And this is the exact opposite and it's it was very surprising almost to have this person who is showing you as loud like as loud as day. I don't belong here. Mm. So I just I don't. I mean that was telegraph. I would rather be in the you know like I don't want to say anything that sounds you know but like yeah she she was it was really surprising and then her journey when you find out because they don't just say she's drinking and you find out that kind of stuff it's like holy shit she's been through abuse so there is backstory it's not just like here's the yeah Dunst. but i mean this this is a woman yeah. as well who like she it's possible that she said yes to try and better her situation because of the time so i'm not possible. saying that in any derogative way yeah um and she thought this was going to improve her life and improve like her son's life and she comes gets taken to this house in the middle of nowhere where there's literally nothing for her to do anymore like and there's nothing at all of her in the place and she's just completely out of her element everywhere she turns and so and then she's got this other motherfucker terrorizing her so she turns to drink and slowly goes a little bit nuts okay which again not to not to compare to another movie but and you just named you just you just described liz taylor's character in giant yeah there's there's so many there's so many it's still just so interesting to me that she chose this story to explore all these things that have been explored before and it's still ended up being something different. It's just really an interesting achievement. Sorry, Jeff, what were you saying? I was going to say, let, let's say like a, a award season comes out and Jane Campion wins a bunch of shit. For me, it's like, of course, the way it's shot and all this stuff, but it's not even, you're, you're right, John, you said it before, but it's not even the Benedict Jesse Plemons brother storyline. It's 
the it's the detail in the Kirsten Dunst family storyline coming into this. Just it happens to be told from the other person from the brother's point of view. But the way yeah. that this that those two come into this and you don't know their, you know, their intentions or whatever. And and she has to do it. But she was sad originally. So it's not like she had a better life at the tavern. And so is she just doomed? Is it because of the abuse? Is there other like all of this stuff is so interesting and so curious and sad and heartbreaking. And and also what happens at the end, it's also kind of inspiring. It's like, holy. Yeah, that that is the stuff that is, mm. is staying with me. Honestly, <laughs> no, no offense to Benedict. because Benedict really is one of our great actors. He really has given a bunch of performances that prove that he knows what the fuck he, he knows how to be, you know, a generational talent. But but well, he the, was the, the, Kirsten Dunst and, and I, Cody Smith McPhee's storyline for me is like that's the movie. The that other thing I me. noticed as well, it never like it keeps it here the whole way through. It never goes to here. Like Davis using his sick. hands visually for our audience yeah. in the yes, <laughs> yeah. It, it never it keeps it at three. It never goes to like seven. Uh, in like you don't see the major events like him dying and stuff like that. It's that all happens off camera. Right, and yeah. it's. I, th- I think it just keeps you level, and keeps you in the story yeah. because you're not distracted by that drama that's going on over there that really has nothing to do with anything. It's just a. a and- it was all just a, a brilliant sleight of hand, wasn't it? She needed. Yeah. She needed a monster like Benedict Cumberbatch to create a diversion so mm. she could pull off this magic yeah. trick. And she did. There's no fucking way I saw this coming. Yep. Yeah, me neither. I, I mean, I really I, can't think of another I, movie that has I paused this kind it afterwards and I was like, holy fucking shit. Like, I'm sitting there on the couch. Holy fucking yeah. shit. And like, then they just castrate a horse right in front of you and you're like, whoa, those are actual nuts. <laughs> oh my God, dude. I can't. That's fucking crazy, dude. Holy shit. That was gross. No gloves. The dude's like, you don't wear any gloves. He's like, no and need. He cuts himself. He's like, I, mean, I don't yeah, know. But- there is a little bit of a need. <laughs> he loved touching that dick i mean let's call it i mean what that's it. right that's right. that's what it was yeah yeah i uh but anyway i think we i think we really have touched the that's yeah. the essence mm. of it this is a big that magic is. trick and i think if you yeah. can tap into that even after the fact you don't have to know this going into it you shouldn't but i think if you can allow yourself to kind of reflect this way upon it you're going to realize this has a lot of a lot of hidden surprises that you're only going to get after the fact yeah. which uh to again to go back to what i said earlier there are a lot of ways to wear the cap of an experimental filmmaker and somebody as successful as her who has like straddled mainstream and, and more experimental places. Um, this is one of the ways to do it, right? Get these huge stars that everyone feels accessible to get, get a storyline or a genre that people feel like I, I know how to approach a Western and then play with form just enough so that no one knows what the fuck they're watching until it's over. Yeah. They think they know what they're watching the whole time yeah, it's, and they're it's judging a, it. It's, it's and a western. It's, it's a western with the emotional temperament of Wuthering Heights. Oh, well said, Dave. Yeah, that's good, wow. dude. Yeah, excellent. Good job. That's good. Shit. It does have a, a occasionally. Kind occasionally, of thing. I say smart shit on this show. <laughs> yeah, I should gush you for that. Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm just having too much fun with this. Uh, I'm gonna give it up for Johnny Greenwood's score one more time. That score has really fucked me up, mm. like staying with me. And I love that you what you said about judge. Like, don't prejudge the movie. Everybody judges it as you go. And this is the thing about watching it at home. Sometimes at home, you're like, well, I can just get up and pee because, uh, you know, I already know what's going on. And it's like, well, <laughs> if you sat there in the theater when the th- when the credits started rolling, you'd be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah that like i'd love to see the theater lobby discussions on this one is it is it bad that even i thought her, sorry go ahead you finish even for her grabbing johnny greenwood to write a score for a western like 
We've like, been here, haven't we? You can use real like, instruments God, this time. <laughs> she knew what she was doing, though, dude. That was that was crazy. Like this whole thing was yeah. like a gotcha. Mm. Like we all thought yeah. we knew what this was going to be. Yeah, fuck us. Right, yep. she, um, Jane Campion was way ahead of us. Tell me, tell me if this is crazy, but that scene where Cody Smith McPhee's character at the end with the cigarette with Benedict, and he he obviously has the power back. He's like, oh yeah, it was so good. And then it immediately cuts to the horses, like right where like the sex scene would happen. I immediately thought of the Family Guy sketch where it was like, oh, it's Brokeback Mountain, Mountain from the horse's point of view. <laughs> God, <laughs> literally, it was like yeah. they were smoking a cigarette together. They were sharing. I mean, come on. When Benedict Cumberbatch heard his brother having sex, he ran out into the barn and started stroking Bronco Henry's saddle. Like this movie was like it was laying it on so thick. How did we not know that this weak, obviously gay guy isn't going to use Benedict Cumberbatch's Batch's lack of um, confidence in his sexuality against him? Who would have thought that that was where the strength was going to be and then it was going to lead to death? Who would have thought? No way. No way. That's Power awesome. of the All fucking right. dog, dude. Oh, I think, I think we've covered it. everything. Jesus. All right. Well, well, we're, let's yeah, give us some feedback, folks. We'd Please love give to us hear some your feedback. thoughts on this. Uh, I People are texting me about this movie. People are very curious what we think about this movie. And I can tell people are wanting to unpack it. I think we just fucking hit the bullseye. I really do. I feel good about mm. what we just did. John. Yep. Get a little cocky there. That's good. I like seeing that. Yeah. Little Bronco Henry there. Playing. John's got the John's got the cushion. John's our John's the resident Bronco John's, Henry here on yeah. this podcast. <laughs> John just got gush for gushing us. I love that. It's so melodrama. The opening line is like, have you figured it out yet, Fatso? Uh what, Phil? It's like, how long it's been since we've taken over the ranch? Like, come on. If I wrote that on, on page, people would be like, this sucks. Jane Campion this does sucks, it, and yeah, it's like yeah. brilliant. It's, oh, it's so good. Okay, sorry. We're still gushing about this. Fatso, when Brendan Cumberbatch said that, I was like, oh, he's got John Wayne in there. Have you figured it out yet there, Fatso? Like, the way he did it. Oh, that's, that's yeah, my he John really Wayne. was throwing it in there. Uh, Dave, just to Dave push Jenkins. you guys a hair. <laughs> sorry. We, 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 wrap we, this up. we wrapped it up, and then I can't help myself. Sorry. <laughs> Where do you guys think this... Maybe we need some more time to let it marinate, because it's probably just going to grow more and more in our hearts and minds, but... Does it sit at the top of your list so far of your Oscar picks this year, or where does it sit for you? Uh, supporting actor, I'd probably say yeah. Yeah, me too. I mean, shit. Cool. Yeah, I feel very, very comfortable saying that as well. I think um, it's in, in, the conversation, in the conversation for everything else. Why not? Direct it. For director should be up there as well. Yeah. Cinematography, score. Yeah. I, I think score, it if, if, it's, if it's Dune in this for score, I think that would be a fun little battle. That would be a fun battle. I think I think Johnny should get it because Johnny should have gotten it for There Will Be Blood. But anyone who knows the story knows that and he Phantom didn't get Threat. It yeah, he was on. Yeah, so many things, so many things. Let's give it to him for this western. Dune won the Golden Globe um, that didn't happen because it doesn't exist. John, in case you haven't noticed as well, Phantom Thread popped up on HBO Max. No, I think shit. It, it did, and uh, Netflix. oh, Netflix, Netflix. Sorry, Netflix. yeah, Netflix is on. Yes, yes, yes. yeah. Sorry, anyway. other let's wrap this up. Anything else you got? You want to say? No, no. Right. Let's do a quick, yeah. quick round of what you've been watching, where we say what we've been watching and maybe give some recommendations. <laughs> Dave, what have you been watching? John's been watching the inside of his eyelids. That's right. <laughs> Dave, what yeah, you been um, watching? Actually, this this week I caught the new Peacemaker series on HBO Max. Shit. Yeah. Uh, there's three episodes out. It's I could give you the same advice as uh, the film we just talked about. Stick with it to episode three, which is when it really settles down and finds its footing. That's why they released three episodes at once, I think. Um, but the opening credits, I have watched 
I would say 12 times because it's just fucking hilarious and I never <laughs> skip it once. Okay. It's a song and dance number, dude. It's amazing. We recommend nice. the opening credits to a TV show here on the pod. Okay, cool. John? <laughs> it's famous, dude. P- people are already mimicking it on the internet. That's pretty funny. I'll hit you with my, my sick movies that I watched over the past few days. A River Runs Through It. Oh, sure. my God. I love that movie. Yeah. Meryl. Uh, Big Fish. Not Meryl. Not Meryl. <laughs> You say Meryl? Meryl? Not Meryl Streep. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Big Fish, Never Ending Story, and The Labyrinth. Oh, so you have been Those on our fucking tear. <laughs> John, you've been sick. Have you been able to see anything? How yes, you, actually. How were your fever dreams? Yeah. <laughs> At one point, I watched, I watched NBA players in my fever dreams that they were only like half a cranium. And they were somehow playing like a game of NBA, like basketball, but they had no legs. It was just the top half of their heads and they were playing. It was, that was the best fever dream. I think I had, if we can record our dreams, movie making is fucked and everybody's doomed. (laughs) It's true. We're just going to be twitching each other's dreams. Okay. I watched. It's just, and it's just endless David Lynch films. (laughs) (sighs) I'm not buzzing. That's exactly what it would be. Uh, I, I watched almost all of Station Eleven. I got behind because like one or two episodes were slow for me, and then everybody's like, "It's great, keep going, keep going." And shit, it's good. It's Station Eleven, HBO yeah, I got, Max. I got bored in the first episode. Is it so? Now that it gets better, I'll go back. I liked one, two, and three were well. Two is fine, sort of. Two, half of two is fine. Three was a little slow for me, but all of the stuff it it just takes off after that. Did I say that? I think I said The Stranger last week, and so um i'm not gonna lie chloe's still here and we love cheer season one i did not expect to on netflix <laughs> if i'm being honest it's number one on netflix at the moment so cheer season two just came out and they're all famous now and then the pandemic hits and then allegations come out about somebody and like all of it like it is it is a fucking roller coaster this fucking season of cheer yes yeah, about like a division three college in texas cheer program but it is really gripping and i can't wait to finish it tonight so those wow. are my re- i know here yeah. we are at our division, division three college in texas you're a cheerleader with no planned parenthood now, to be fair they <laughs> are your drama to be fair they get it with no planned parenthood <laughs> jesus christ jesus to be christ. fair these are these are these are some of the best cheerleaders in the country and they win national championships go fuck yourself guys all right it's a great show they're all fantastic athletes and the pandemic really ruined flashbacks their lives to your uh what show were you watching? What Dra- RuPaul's show were you watching? RuPaul Drag Race pandemic? UK. We got an argument okay. in the UK. <laughs> yeah, man. That was a good right. one. Yeah. Okay, uh, people. That's our Power of the Dog <laughs> episode. Uh, we, we definitely have a Clockwork Orange episode coming out soon. Uh, I think we have next week figured out, right? Next week, we're back to the theaters. Possibly. All right. Well, Possibly. please like, subscribe, and uh, we hope to see you again. Take it easy, film fans. <laughs> <laughs>